What's up, guys? This is the It Ain't Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Charanson. Let's get it. And today, really excited, we have Andrew Sabre on the podcast. He is the Chief Clinical Officer at Myo Detox and has many, else, many other ventures on the go at all times. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited for you to just come on here and share some bars with us, spit some wisdom. Um, I think we know a little bit about what you do, but we don't know too much about who you are. So if you could start us with the young Andrew, where'd you grow up? What elementary school did you go to? Wow. Oh, man, we're, we're going back. Um, I grew up in uh, Burnaby. Cool. Um, British Columbia. So went to Morley Elementary. Okay. Which uh, was the French immersion school that my parents wanted me to go to. Um, my parents are immigrants from the Philippines, and they had no idea what French immersion was, but they were okay. like, I heard it's good, so we're gonna put you in that. Awesome. Yeah, so Morley Elementary, shout out to the Morley Mustangs. Yeah, Morley Mustangs, is yeah. that North Burnaby? No, it was uh, South Burnaby. Cool. Yeah. And uh, what about high school after that? Went to um, Mosscrop yep. on, you know, um, kind of like central Burnaby there and then that's that, just off like Willingdon right yeah you're yeah. right and and it um only only went to grade 10 so for my senior years 11 and 12 I went to Burnaby Central cool yeah and um just your relationship with like sports and fitness at a young age were you playing any yeah I mean I I love playing sports um and uh, always had like a natural inclination to play and, and, and practice, love practicing. So I, you know, played soccer, um, was, was in, tr- you know, cross country running, um, played basketball on the basketball team and volleyball when I was like a young kid. But, um, funny enough, my parents were so concerned about me over indulging in sport hmm. that they never really supported me going into sports fully, despite okay. like, you know. Like I'm nowhere near the athlete that you are, Dom. But you know, I did I did get voted retired. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, athlete of the year in grade seven. So I was, okay. I, you, know, you know, so. But um, but yeah, always love sports, which is you know kind of the, the this this kind of like forbidden fruit that I was never really allowed to partake in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Like an interesting follow up question that came to mind is just like. Obviously, you're a physiotherapist now, and movement and recovery is a big part of your day-to-day. Was it ever, like, a thought when you're a kid, elementary or high school, to, like, stretch or to, like, kind of mobilize? Oh, not even, not not at all. Not at all. I, I mean, I, I had a severe um, ankle sprain, quite, quite substantial ankle sprain when I was young playing basketball, and um, it wasn't even on the radar for me to go to see the physiotherapist. Mm. So I never saw a physio, yeah, ever, until I got into the physio program. And so everything's kind of just building on that foot. You got one different size than the other. Or what was going on? Yeah, I mean, that man, that 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 foot um, has, has had so many ankle sprains. Um, you know, the the ligaments are pretty much gone, mm. and um, the other side, as a, as a result, suffered as well. And so. Yeah, had injuries, but it wasn't something that was top of mind to like go and recover, or go and get help, and 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 um, and rehab. So, yeah. and was that the direction you wanted to go like immediately out of high school? You thought I had heavy involvement in sports and sort of fitness at a young age. I want to pursue this like 
mm-hmm. long term? Yeah, I mean, I, I love sports. You know, again, played basketball in high school and, and um, was just obsessed with everything sports, obsessed with the 90s, the 90s Bulls. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother, younger brother, uh, ended up breaking his leg and have, had to go to see a physiotherapist. And my mom came home one day with the requirements, the entry requirements for physio, mm. brought it home and put it on the fridge. And so I was, I was in grade 10, grade 11, and she said, this might be a really good you know, cool. job for you. Yeah. Um, so ever since then, I was like, oh, maybe I should do that. Because I always wanted to be in healthcare and I always loved sports. So I thought it was yeah. like a, a good uh, coalescence of the two worlds. Shout out to mom. Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. You know, a little bit of that parental pressure, you know, yep. to uh, to find a nice, stable job mm-hmm. in physiotherapy. But um, funny enough, I got into the program not ever having experienced physio. Okay. At all, which was which was really yeah. strange. That's an interesting perspective. It is. It yep. is. Uh, you, I'm assuming you've been to physio before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you had way more knowledge than I did before I got into the program. Okay, yeah, no, that's really interesting. You said you said you were hooping. Uh, mm-hmm. After grade 10, you leave in Mosscroft. Where'd you end up? Uh, Burnaby Central. Burnaby Central, yeah. cool. Yeah, but at that time, I, I you know, uh, because it, it was so competitive to get into school and, and to get into UBC, yet, I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to concentrate. Mm-hmm. So I actually quit playing basketball yeah to pursue to pursue my studies a little bit more focused but of course you know as high school does you you get distracted and um, my brother was able to play basketball all the way through because he was much more um more disciplined and and he also still got into university so i think it obviously can be done yeah yeah takes a little bit more time and you know so many other things going on at the high school level sometimes you just want to enjoy that that time um Moving into like the college level, you said your mom came home with those requirements um, to get into physio. You needed this. What at, at what? Well, first of all, what year did you kind of graduate? And at what time, or what was the timeline to get like your physiotherapy degree? Like what courses did you need to take? You know, it's really funny you, you say that because I remember I was in high school. I went to the um, the counselor at the time because I said. I really wanted to know how well I had to perform academically to be able to get into the physiotherapy program. Mm. And because of what I was into at the time, you know, I was a bit of a goofball. He actually said when he heard that I wanted to get into physiotherapy, he said, good luck. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. I see you, all right. Um, and in when I graduated high school in 1999, um, the physiotherapy program was a bachelor's degree and you could apply okay. after one year prerequisite. So you'd go to UBC or go to university, get your first year prerequisites and you could apply. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a result, everyone from you know their first year, second year, third year, fourth year would apply. So the applicant pool was actually very, very competitive because you didn't have a chance. And in my case, when I got in, I got in after one year prerequisites. You didn't really have a chance to kind of um, improve your GPA. Right. You know, you, your first year you get into university, everybody's kind of excited. It's a new world. You want to party. You want to be social. Oh, yes. You know, um, and so most university students in their first year don't do that well academically. Mm-hmm. So um, so you kind of have to fluff it up after, you know, your third, fourth year courses. And, you know, you've learned how to study. You know how to play the game a little bit. But it was, a, it was a really competitive program to get into. And 
um, and it was a bachelor's program. So a lot of my classmates already had bachelor's degrees. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I was the youngest person in the program when I got in. I was a baby. That's really cool, but yeah. super scary. You're walking into this space and you know it's highly competitive, needed the marks, and then now I need to sustain this for, is it a three-year program? It was a three-year program at the yeah. time. Um, once you got into the program, it, was, uh, it, it wasn't as, you know, doggy dog in terms of, of the competitiveness. I think people genuinely wanted to see each other succeed, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But getting into the program was was definitely a little bit more a bit more competitive. Um, and it was really funny because when I got in and um, I saw all my classmates, they were so much more mature. They had seen the world, a lot of them. I was still living at home. They lived on campus. Yeah, I was like, oh boy, what have I gotten myself into? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, like, looking back on it, would you say that that system is better or worse compared to what we have now, which is, like, you know, four years of a bachelor degree, science, kinesiology, and then the opportunity to go into the physio? Um, you know what? I think, I think there's pluses and minuses, pros and cons to both mm-hmm. sides. Um, I think, like, close to 30% of my class... Um, classmates ended up going into medicine okay um, after graduating physiotherapy so at the time the program was quite small yeah um, so it wasn't good for the physiotherapy profession because you know you commit to producing this many physiotherapists and then a good chunk of them end up deciding to go and move on mm-hmm. and yeah you know I think that if you graduate with your bachelor's degree and you decide to apply for a, ma- a master's program I think there's a higher level of commitment to that path Okay. To like, you know, continue to pursue that career. Um, and um, I also think that, um, you know, you definitely get a certain, like you get more maturity. The, 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 the graduates that are coming out now, I think just they have a better head on their shoulders to work with, um, with patients. And, and the, the case, uh, sorry, the circumstances, the clinical um, uh, circumstances that they find themselves in, yeah. I think they're better prepared for it, just from an emotional maturity standpoint. Yeah, that's that's interesting. The emotional maturity, just essentially, people are older, and so they know how, they have better bedside manner, that side of thing, or table manner, that side of thing. Yeah, I think I think one of the big things with healthcare is that you have to have um, empathy, and you know you have to be able to look at things outside of um, your own perspective and try to look at it from the perspective of the patient. Um, to really give good client-centered care. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that kind of evolves and, and grows as, as you mature. And as a young person, you know, it's very easy to be self-centered. Yep. So when when you get into this program, you have the three years to complete. Uh, what was your mind state? Or like, what was where was your head at in terms of what you're gonna do after this program finished? I always wanted to work in private practice. I always wanted to work with athletes. Um, and I was definitely, I had a chip on my shoulder. I really wanted to be good at what I did. Um, yeah. Because I felt I was young and inexperienced, I always felt like I needed to prove something. So I, I had um, uh, I had a lot of determination to go out and do all the postgraduate studies that I needed to do to kind of, you know, set myself ahead and, and, and be a bit more of a, advanced therapist mm-hmm. so I knew as soon as I graduated I would still obviously right back into the books and those in the books start studying you know get my designations get get some experience and, and try to get some experience working with some teams and some athletes mm-hmm. 
So would you say like as as a degree program, like the physiotherapy gives you like the foundation and then you need to take a bunch more, I guess, like accreditation to, um, you know, elevate your skills, provide new movement patterns. Like what, what does that look like, these postgraduate certifications? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a pretty extensive program for um, like orthopedics that you can take, which is like learning, you know, advanced musculoskeletal therapy. Um, so, you know, how all the different tissues and the joints, how they all kind of work and, and, and advanced, advanced diagnosis uh, and, and rehabbing, um, you know, those between like common, very common um, injuries to more complex injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, that program usually takes between four to five years if you're really wow. going for it to, to kind of finish that designation. Yeah. Um, there's now a master's program at Western that, that offers, I think, mass, uh, Western as well as McMaster's. Mm-hmm. Um, they offer a program that can help you get that designation as well. At the end of the day, it's actually just the process. It's like, yeah. you know, the amount of hours that you put in studying and uh, the practical um, uh, study that you have to do as well. That's what makes you, uh, I think, a very high-level therapist, as mm-hmm. opposed to just kind of you know reading the books and and um, and just being out there for time. It's more just like how much time are you honing your craft and and spending your time practicing critical thinking, you know, really learning how to do the mental gymnastics around um, how to diagnose and treatment plan, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of the way I in my mind, like, I feel like you you graduate from school, you kind of feel like you already you're just ready to go. Yeah. But I, I think one of the things that this is kind of across the board and like all professions is like having that student mindset or a learning mindset where you're just always continuing to learn. It's it's kind of part of the job as a physiotherapist, but um, it's uh, th- this really takes it, puts it into practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, like just an outside perspective as an athlete. I've had I've worked with some athletic therapists and physiotherapists and. I think a big differentiator between like the ones with years of experience and like the ones fresh out of school is like this like confidence about them that like this is for sure what's happening to your leg and these are the prescribed exercises to fix this and then like the older physio will look at you and say hey well this might not be the driving force of your injury let's look at this this and this you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. kind of taking a step back I guess it's more upstream and that comes with those certifications and like just being in your books the hours, the experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Experience is huge. And I mean, I've, I've met a lot of really good therapists that don't have the certifications and, and whatnot, right? I think mm-hmm. it's it's never a guarantee, but I think it's a good watermark. It's a good, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good foundation. And, um, you know, experience does a lot. Like you said, the confidence, like it, you know, when I first graduated, man, I was shaking, mm-hmm. just like in my boots, just... I remember being so nervous dealing with my first patients that, you know, people that are in like a lot of pain and they're trusting me. I was 22 at the time when I graduated yeah. from school. I'm like, man, people would be asking me all the time, how old are you? And I, I would lie. I would tell them I was older. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility though. It is. Yeah. It is. And I wanted them to trust me. And, and if I think, if, you know, I have a 22 year old that's taking care of my back and I'm in so much pain, I can't move. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Totally. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was the, sort of the first move after school? 
Um, I I got a job at uh, at a clinic in Port Coquitlam. Cool. And um, it was a really good, like the you know very manual therapy based clinic. Um, and it was a great place to start. It was a great place to start. I, I, I saw the kind of patients that would allow me to practice and hone my skills mm-hmm. as I was going out and getting more education. Um, and Which is what, people that are more active? Um, it, it, was, it was a good mix of people that were active, people yeah. that were, you know, that had maybe sustained a serious injury, um, and some people that had gone into car accidents and people that had sustained work injuries. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to... well-rounded. Well-rounded, yeah. yeah, exactly. You just kind of want that, that wide palette of... of of clients so that it better prepares you for as you specialize kind of further down the road cool so nice and um i've seen some work on like core x Mm. is that one of those systems sort of like that postgraduate i just want to expand my knowledge um what is core x you know it's it's a good question um so core x is actually a system that was created by Alex McKechnie, um, who I was really lucky enough to have as, as one of my mentors. And he, um, he, he just created that system um, to treat um, athletes with, at first it was with groin pain and um, low back pain. And, and it just became like a system of like movement retraining that he's kind of expanded and has, has, has really just made quite quite well-renowned um, in sports rehab. So mm-hmm. um, counting my blessings, I was able to work with him. But uh, it wasn't a course or anything like that, right? Yeah. It was, um, I just, I happened to work at a clinic in North Vancouver that um, he was working out of. Yeah. And um, I asked him one day, I, I'd heard of him, I'd heard of, of of the work that he was doing, I had no idea who he was or what he looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remember working one day, seeing him, and he was working with an athlete. And, and I asked one of the therapists at the clinic, I was like, who is that? And I was like, it's Alex McKechnie. I was like, oh, it's the Alex McKechnie, the one that had worked with Shaq and was working with, like, you know, uh, the Lakers and, and worked with the Grizzlies. And, and he was quite well-known locally at the time. I mean, obviously well-known in the industry at the time, but he was an urban legend because he was no longer working in Vancouver. He was working mm. with the Lakers. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, I just asked him, hey, can I hang out, watch? And... And he's like, sure. And, you know, after the day was over, I was like, can I do it again tomorrow? And again, and again, and again. Mm-hmm. And it just turned into a, a like, a just great relationship of, of mentorship. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, I see, like, some synergy there. And, like, he's created this movement system. And I think that kind of uh, aligns with what you guys do at Myo Detox. When I go for treatment, there, there seems to be a full package that is not just, you know, um, ultrasound, ice, stim, kinesiology exercises, go home. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, full body assessment. It's um, seeing how like one joint is connected to the other. Could you explain sort of like um, what those principles are and kind of what load and launch is, those sort of things? Yeah, I, I think that um, one of our, our big principles is that, you know, you want to find the root cause of the problem and the body works as a unit and it's not, it's not just um, isolated um, specific parts of the body that are dysfunctional. There's a lot of things that contribute or could be actually the cause of your symptoms, even though you may be feeling those symptoms somewhere else. So um, in more traditional therapy, Sometimes you'll find that people will over index on the area of pain 
it won't actually look further out or look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so we train our therapists to have a bit of a broader perspective. You know, you want to take into consideration what's happening locally, but you want to look a little bit more globally at what else is happening that is probably contributing or could be the primary contributor to what people are feeling. Mm. Um, so that's kind of one part of the approach. The other part of the approach is with exercise, um, you know, you, you, you kind of refer to load and launch. Load and launch is just a, um, a, a pattern of exercises that we kind of coined that just really help with more global movement and okay. trying to retrain movement patterns, um, mm. you know, in, in the same vein as some of the stuff that we were doing with Corex, you yeah. know, so. Um, just that we lose through like sedentary behavior. Sedentary behavior Injury. or compensation, right? Gotcha. You could be hurt. And so, you know, humans are best at adapting. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I sprained my ankle. You're not just going to stop moving. You're just going to start limping. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we have different ways of limping in every, in every activity. And, you know, we could call, call it limping, but maybe you hurt your shoulder. And instead of you not brushing your hair, you're just gonna brush your hair a different way. It's like your shoulder's now limping, mm -hmm. right? And so to untrain or downtrain um, a limp that you've developed over time, that takes a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, totally. Interesting. Um, so we're on the topic of like movement. If you if you had you know two minutes to warm up before sort of like hit style, you know, body weight exercise, mm -hmm. what would you do? If I had two minutes, I think, you know, you probably want to focus on dynamic, uh, like a dynamic style warm up that, you know, you would warm up um, the, I think like the extremities. So you want to make sure that you've got good f movement. You've warmed up some movement in the hips in like the flexion extension kind of pattern, some rotation. So like seeing your hips kind of rotate, open up. Um, you want to warm up your shoulders. Um, make sure again that you're kind of starting to get to the ranges of motion that you will be experiencing in that workout. So if you're going to be doing a lot of overhead work, you might make sure that you've warmed up your shoulders overhead. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm a big, big proponent of thoracic mobility and rotation, making sure that you're getting good mobility there. Mm -hmm. It's an area that a lot of people don't think about because um, it's it's not common especially in hit workouts like yeah. um rotational movements and hit workouts are kind of few and far between i'm glad you mentioned that and like i'm laughing because that's what i always forget too is like t-spine rotation like oh, things man. like that man yeah. yeah yeah a lot of people think that the rotation comes from the hips hmm. right like when you twist and there is a certain component of it that comes from there but a lot of rotation is supposed to come from your t-spine hmm. that's a primary area of rotation but for a lot of us we get really stiff in that area. If you're sitting down all day, um, you do a lot of upper body, like, um, you know, strengthening, you know, that area gets stiff and you lose rotation there. So you start to compensate, finding rotation in different places. Mm. And that's kind of what, what can lead to a bit more stress in those areas that weren't necessarily built for that type of stress. Right. Yeah. And then lastly, I always um, would incorporate some sort of core activation, right? Okay. And, and core activation that is in the movements so if i'm doing a lot of squats uh you know or if i'm going to do a, a squat you know squat type movements in the hit workout mm -hmm. i would make sure that i've i've warmed up my core in the context of doing a squat as opposed to doing like just like a static plank 
or okay. or crunches or whatnot because there's a huge piece called um, uh, um, transferability, mm-hmm. right? And whatever it is that we warm up or, or practice, you want it to transfer to the thing that we're doing. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, you want to make it as close to the activity as possible. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Like ideally you have more than two minutes to warm up, but that sounds like a, you, you're covering all your, all your necessary spots, right? I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to try that. Um, looking at, you know, you said you went from, was it uh, Port Coquitlam, then mm-hmm. you were in Lynn Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Pivotal after that? Yeah, so Pivotal was, was after um, my stint in Lynn Valley. Um, in 2012, opened up a clinic mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to um, just focus on delivering um, a bit more, you know, focused one-on-one care. Mm-hmm. Um, and wanted to try my crack at entrepreneurialism. Yeah. You know, and so opened that clinic up with uh, my business partner, Nathan Vancoop. And shout uh, out to Nathan. Shout out to Nathan. Um, been a colleague of mine since 2007. So we've been in the trenches together. And uh, yeah, that was um, that was a rude awakening to the world of, of, of owning a business. Yeah. But also just probably one of the most fulfilling adventures that I went and took. So, yeah. yeah. What, were, what, what was one of the highest moments, the biggest moments for you guys? Um, and what was one of the most frustrating things in that startup process? Um, you know, one of the things I would say, we, we experienced a high pretty quickly in that we, we were busy out the gates. Cool. And that was nice because you're always nervous. You always think, are people, um, do people even care enough about the care that I'm about the work that I'm doing that they would come follow or mm-hmm. um, you know um, are we are we out there enough are we well known enough that, that, that we could generate referrals and generate a business and so in our first month we said we weren't gonna hire we said we weren't gonna hire talk to a buddy of mine he and he said you don't need front desk you don't need a receptionist for at mm-hmm. least a year at this time, you know, online bookings were starting to become a thing. Yeah. Um, and so we were like, yeah, you know what? We don't need a receptionist. That's fine. And within two weeks, the phone was ringing off the hook. And we, mm-hmm. I was getting, like, anxiety because I was treating people. And I knew that those were people trying to book in. And we had to make the decision within three weeks to hire a receptionist because the, the, the business was getting busy. And so... Um, that was a real cool win early on that was like man this is that that's actually cool because we knew that at that point okay you know wheels are in motion we got some momentum yeah um the biggest low um there's so many ups and downs in in um in business one of the biggest lows would have been um when we we were deciding um to actually open up uh, another clinic. And at the time, um, we were actually looking to do a rebrand. And I was really excited. I was really excited because we had done some really cool work with a graphic des- uh, with a designer here locally who was doing some great work. His name's Chris Williams. Um, he's done some really cool work and we were just completely rebranding the um, Pivotal 
we were get it was called Pivotal Health, and we were just gonna call it Pivotal, mm-hmm. and had some some really sick designs that he'd come up with, and um, we decided not to do it, mm-hmm. and. And that kind of sucked at first when we thought about it, but it was because we were saying yes to a different opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And and that opportunity was my ID Talks. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was about to say. Um, so before um, you came on as like chief clinical officer, uh, my ID Talks was up and running. Uh, Vinny, I'm somewhat familiar with. Uh, Can you speak on what the brand was kind of before your partnership? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we had caught wind of my ID Talks. Um, well before we joined, um, probably early days, like 2015 maybe, yep. um, 2015, 2016, they had um, a website that was so different visually than any yeah. other physiotherapy clinic. Um, it was definitely more Equinox vibe. Mm. Um, it was like very, it's just so different. Uh, the, the, the physical therapy space and healthcare in general can be fairly stale. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so, th- you know, you see people in the lab coats, you see people like, you know, the patients in, um, you know, patients look like they're patients, like they're injured. They're like, you know, they don't um, it's not as aspirational mm-hmm. as it could be. Yeah. Right. Um and then Mayo came out with this brand that was somewhat polarizing, to be honest. Yeah. I th- the, the brand was, it caught your eye. And as a consumer, it definitely would be like, this is a different feel, feel and vibe. Um, you know, they had, pa- like the, the patients had tattoos. Yeah. You know, like that was different. You, you, you know, healthcare was about, you know, collared shirts and, you know, everything's prim and proper. And, and these, the patients here had like tattoos. The, the therapists would be showing their tattoos. And, and I, I don't have any tattoos, so yeah. it's uh, it's not like I'm I, I could relate. But it was nice to see they were trying to break barriers. Yeah, and almost more of like a gym and a studio vibe than like traditional, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, and and so we were like, wow, like they're doing something different, um, and it's it's definitely catching eyes. So they did a meetup here, Vin and Scott, actually. It was really funny. They did a meetup, and my friend said, hey, Drew, these My Detox guys are coming into town. You should come with me, and let's check it out. Hmm. And at the time, Pivotal was doing really well, and um, um, we were more like uh, on the spectrum of uh, traditional therapy for sure, but we were trying to break barriers ourselves. We, we wanted to really scale out good therapy and make it more available to just the average person and, hmm. and, and to the, you know, the just to make it relevant right so that it was it was more like uh a part of people's lifestyle as opposed to just when you're seriously injured yeah when we came to the meetup they were um like these guys were wearing like designer clothes like they were very fashion forward scott and vin and um the meetup was i thought it was gonna be small there was a ton of people yeah i was like wow they really caught a lot of people's attention yeah so the brand was making big moves um at that point and um by the time i by the time i'd come on um you know mayo had uh had already opened up four clinics in toronto and they had merged with physio room here in vancouver yeah so they were toronto first right they were toronto first yeah yeah, yeah. so 
it was uh, it was just unseen in the space. And to be honest, even to this day, it's still like I, I don't think anybody's really doing what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. And so, um, as like you know, clinical director, um, is there some some sort of like curriculum that you put your employees through, and is that kind of your role there? Yeah, I, I, you know, um, I we, we definitely have a pretty um, pretty extensive training and development program for our therapists. Um, it's very different from I think what's out there um, in our industry. We train our therapists in kind of our our um, approach. We train our therapists on um, like soft skills, like um, things like active listening and. Um, how to have conversations with people, how to build trust with people. And then we train them in our manual therapy systems and our exercise systems. So mm. it's standardized across the board, across a, co- a company in all regions. And we have a delivery system. We have a network of, of senior therapists that are in specific roles for training that deliver the training um, of these therapists. Cool. Yeah. And then on top of that, after they've been trained, they have a there's a mentorship program within okay. miles so that the therapists continue to develop and continue to grow and and again that's structured mm-hmm. so that our therapists um, you, you know it's it's a lot harder to get sta- stay stagnant or to become stagnant um, in in our system cool um, is there plan for like just continued expansion like how many locations do you guys have at this point so we have 13 locations so far across Vancouver, Toronto, and LA. Cool. And yeah, there is um, a heavy emphasis on expansion. Um, we spent you know, a good chunk of time during uh, COVID. We opened a couple of clinics during COVID, but that, you know, after we opened them and, and made sure that things were um, up and running, we kind of held back for a little bit of time to get our, our, our bearings and, and to create more infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And we've recently just kind of pressed the button on expansion. And so we're we're doing a lot of work right now to expand in those current regions. Okay. And then um, we're even looking into expanding into other regions of Canada. Amazing. Yeah. Excited for that. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Um, just in terms of like you know, you, you had your business that was like super successful, pivotal, and then that sort of transition to now working with, you know, multiple studios, um, taking on a role that is kind of designing, you know, the operations for these different employees. Um, is there any part of like what you were doing before that you kind of miss? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't treat as many patients as I used to. Yeah. I still treat, but it's way, way less. Um, I do a lot of teaching now, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I love teaching and developing the therapists. Um, and I do a lot of um, coaching of, of our field team leaders. And, and I, love, I, love, I love doing that. Um, but, you know, there's something about being on the ground, just, you know, working with patients day to day, seeing their day to day progress or week to week progress. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, I loved going out to the community and making connections in the yeah. community, kind of like preaching the word of, of, you know, at the time pivotal, you know, or just preaching the, the word of physiotherapy to people just to, um, you know, help people in need and, and, um, you know, create those kind of collisions yeah. um, out in the community. So I really love doing that, and I don't get to do that as much now. So yeah. 
I travel a lot. Busy, so. busy, cool. Yeah. Um, are you still hooping? Oh man, I I wish I could say yes. Yeah. I wish I could say yes. I uh, I have intentions to start shooting around again. Mm-hmm. But we played actually all up until the pandemic. I was playing on a regular uh, run um, at least a couple times a week in the morning at uh, Creekside. Yeah. And um, the day that COVID shut everything down, I remember playing, thinking, man, should I be playing right now? Yeah. There's a lot of this this COVID thing going around. Totally. And so I haven't really picked it back up since. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. you definitely have to, you're managing so many different people and, and clients that, you know, there's a level of respect you have to have for that. So I have mm-hmm. sympathy, right? But hopefully you're back out there shortly. Uh, soon At least getting some shots up. I need to. I, yeah. I'm desperate to. I'm desperate. My son's playing a lot of basketball. Cool. And it's uh, it's funny because he's, he's starting to, like, get he's starting to get confident and wants to challenge his old man. So I, awesome. I got I to gotta dust off the basketball shoes and take some shots. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what other ways are you trying to stay fit right now? Like, what do you like to do for exercise? And- well, um, you know, um, the, the days of CrossFit have passed and yeah. I, I mean, I used to love that. That was like a passion of mine for a while. And, um, and so now I try to, I try to still lift weights. Um, and I've recently really taken up running. Cool. So, which I never thought I would really enjoy it. I, I, I did my first half marathon in 2013. The minute I did it, I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing yeah. this anymore. And I walked into the CrossFit gym in, in North Van, and I started that journey. Okay. Um, but with all the travel we do, um, I it's really hard to find any consistency. So running is kind of like the simplest thing. Yeah, you just hop out there and you get to see some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so running is is kind of my my main go, and then you know try to try to do some some basic weights, um, compound movements, and you know. Um, throwing a little bit of Olympic lifting here and there, but nothing, nothing too fancy, nothing too crazy. I'm also getting older, so I, I yep. got to be a little bit more careful about throwing big weights over my head and, you know, taking myself out. Yeah. So um, maybe, yeah, like maybe we could put that in there in terms of, as a follow up question. Um, what this may come obvious to some, but like, what sort of training regime you're talking about? Resistance weights is like the hardest on the joints hmm i think the 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 thing that's hardest on the joints is is probably without getting too technical i think it's whatever your joints haven't been subjected to so Mm. you know the hardest thing is the thing that you've never done haven't thought of it like that yeah yeah right so if you subject yourself to enough variability then I think your body will be a lot more resilient to different stresses and higher stresses. Yeah. If you, if you subject your body to the same stress all the time, then even the simplest stress, but it's just novel could be the thing that really pushes you over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you have guys that could squat so much weight, right? And they could squat, you know, 400, 500 pounds, but you get them to twist and lift a, a medicine ball and maybe they just never twist. Yeah. And that could be it. Huh. Right. So that's diversify. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of variability is, is important. Right. Cool. 
Yeah. Okay. What about if I was to step step into your house, a little invasive? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would I find there that I wouldn't find at other people's? Oh man. Um, yeah, I. I'm a quirky guy, so I think there's there's quite a few things that might be in the house that, um, you know what it is actually. If if what you would what's actually weird is not so much that um, I have any like singular item that's like really quirky that you wouldn't find. It's just that you would notice how much of a creature habit I am if you came to my house on a regular basis. I eat the same thing all the time. Okay. I drink coffee from the same cup. I drink, you know, I eat the same treats, you know, like almost every night. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a, very much a creature habit. So it, it might be like, you might just notice that it's a little bit, it's not super clean. You know, yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's, my wife keeps the house like pretty, pretty nice, but like, there's like a bit of an OCD component to it. Yeah. For me. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So. Okay. Um, the last one is just about movies. So, um, if you could live inside of any movie, which one would it be and why? Oh man, um, that's a good question. There's, there's kind of like, uh, I think the the best answer would be Ocean's Eleven for me. Ooh, yeah. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, that yeah. is a good one. Yeah, cool. yeah. There's something about uh, I've like being part of a heist. Yeah would be amazing but on that level of like just smooth what do you think your operation would be oh i mean i kind of feel i'd be more on like the the george clooney side where Mm -hmm. you're you're kind of masterminding the whole thing and 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 you know coming up with all these different cons yeah yeah i don't think i'd be a specialist with like the explosives or anything like that I'm, i'm more cerebral than I like it. And destructive. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, so much knowledge here. Um, I think so many people will be able to pull from your experience and just kind of your come up, even from elementary level to now. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having yeah. me, Dom. It was great. Appreciate it. Till next time. All right, man. Thank you.